Uh, this week is our last uh uh, our last sermon on our series, Culture Shift, uh, we have been looking at some of the philosophies, uh, the patterns of the culture that we live in, the age of today that we find ourselves in, how we can renew our minds from that. And uh, we've hit many different topics in this series, but today I'm going to be talking about the cultural ideology, the idea that younger is better. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living, it's active, it has the power to change us. Today, we come under the authority of your word and we ask that you would transform us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Uh, recently, I told this story before, but recently I went to uh, encounter youth camp uh, to preach and uh, it's hundreds of teenagers. And I need to tell you that it is a privilege, but it's a uniquely terrifying event. And it's uh, not terrifying because of what will I say. It's not terrifying because of how will I present. It's terrifying because before I go, all I can think about is what on earth am I going to wear? What am I going to wear to preach to hundreds of teenagers? And I stand in front of my wardrobe and I'm like, oh, I got to, should I wear my trendiest outfit? Should I wear my coolest sneakers? I wore them this morning, okay? Should I wear like my, my most young looking outfit or will that make me look like a try hard? You know, like it's, it's a bit of a thing to like figure out. In the end, I just decided uh, to go as myself and uh, wear a dress that I most thought looked like me. And on the way down, to encounter uh, wearing the streets. So I, I stopped in to see my gran, and um, while um, my gran was there, her friend came over, her friend's 86, and we were chatting, and it was awesome. And you know, you know when you reach a certain age where you can just t just tell things how it is? You know how older people just have, like, they're just allowed to call things as it is, you know? And so we're all sitting and chatting, and this 86-year-old turns to me, and she says to me, are you sending that dress to the op shop soon? And I go, do you mean the dress that I'm currently wearing? <laughs> she goes, yeah. I was like, no, I just bought it like it's new. I really like it. And she goes, oh, that's a shame. She was like, I was really hoping to wear that dress to my daughter's wedding. Let me tell you what you don't need before you go preach at a youth camp. You don't need an 86-year-old telling you that she wants to wear your dress. In that moment, I started doubting myself severely. Normally, I would be complimented by such a thing, but in this moment, it was the last thing that I needed to hear because I felt like, oh my gosh, will the young people think that I am uncool? Because have you noticed that young people have the monopoly on what it means to be cool. Young people can define what it means to be cool. I am part of the millennial age bracket. And I don't know if you've uh, seen how they break up generations of age. You've got the baby boomers, Gen Xers, the millennials, and the Gen Zers. The Gen Zers are the young people of today. I'm a millennial. And I've had my day in the sun. For a good many years, the millennial generation were the cool generation. If you want to know what the millennials are about, my generation is defined by our skinny jeans. Like we are the generation that has loved and has loved our skinny jeans. But I recently read that skinny jeans are no longer cool. 
And I'm disappointed because I don't understand other cuts of jeans or how they work. You'll have to rip my skinny jeans off me because I love them so much. I was reading another article the other day that was saying that palm trees and copper tones and rose gold accents and marble uh, tabletops, all these things that are defined as millennial design aesthetics are now considered so uncool that Generation Z has literally given a word for it. And the word is chugi. I know, weird, eh? Not many Gen Zers in the house, eh? They're all, everyone's like, what is that? Spelt C-H-E-U-G-Y. Gen Z, I don't understand their relationship with language. But it's making me begin to realize that I am no longer in the generation that gets to define what cool is. That belongs to a younger generation of which I am no longer part of. They have a monopoly on what's cool. And actually, this idea is a cultural trend. Cultural commentators describe the Western civilization, Western culture that we find ourselves in, has something which they call a glorification of youth. They glorify young people. Young is perceived as better. Youth is exalted. This is the cultural atmosphere that the church finds itself in. And actually, when you look around, you see this everywhere. Like beauty companies make their living on the idea that younger is perceived as better. Thousands and thousands of moisturizer creams that are meant to iron away wrinkles. You know, and uh, the plastic surgeons make their money on the idea that younger is better. They can literally make money on the idea that they can stretch out wrinkles to make them no longer exist. There's a saying in the movie world that there are no good movie roles for women over the age of 40. Why? Because youth is glorified. Youth is perceived as better. You need to understand today that whilst this might be a cultural idea, it is most certainly not a biblical one. While it's a cultural idea, it is most certainly not a biblical one. If you open the pages of Scripture, you will not find anywhere that there is an exaltation of youth. If anything, the Bible gives honor to age. Proverbs, this is what it says, 16. It says, gray hair, come on somebody, is a crown of glory. Is there anyone in the house wearing a crown of glory today? Come on, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. If anything, the Bible gives honor to age. If anything, it gives honor to those who are more mature. And actually, in the book of Isaiah, quite amazing, the Israelites are taken into captivity in Babylon. And God writes to them to tell them, when they are in captivity, don't put your strength in your youth. Don't put your trust in your youth. Put it on God. This is what it says. He gives strength to the weary, increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What God's saying, he's saying, don't mistake. Don't make the mistake in your thinking of thinking that there is strength in your youth. Actually, the strength of youth is weak 
and failing and comparison to God's strength. Even young people are going to stumble and fall, but those who depend on the Lord will find new strength. Listen, friends, there is not a natural inherent strength within any certain age or stage. Your strength is found in your dependence on a God whose strength never fails. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. But let me tell you what my concern is with this glorification of youth, with the glorification of youth that we see in our culture today. Sometimes I wonder if it is producing men and women who I would describe as Peter Pans. You remember Peter Pan, the boy who never wanted to grow up? I wonder if our glorification of youth is producing a generation of lost boys. Lost boys and girls trapped in Neverland, the place you go because you never want to grow up. Boys and girls who are trying to live like men and women, but really are still kids on the inside. Young people who are resistant to growing up because adulthood isn't glorified. Actually, in many ways, it's seen as hard. Youth is the thing that is glorified. And I wonder today in the 11.30 service if anyone's ever felt like that. If anyone's ever felt like a kid trapped inside an adult's body. Have you ever felt like your age has grown up but your maturity didn't grow up to match it? I remember when I was one time a youth leader at at Oxygen and Botany and uh, something happened with one of the kids and immediately I looked around for an adult to solve the problem and then was horrified to realize that I was the adult. And so I looked around for an adultier adult to solve the problem. Have you ever felt like you don't really want to grow up? That adulthood doesn't really seem all that it's cracked up to be? Have you ever felt like your age is growing up but your maturity doesn't really match it? Have you ever felt like you want to stay in Neverland, in the place where it's fun, safe, secure, known, with little or less responsibility? Come on, somebody. Have you ever felt reluctant to grow up? Because if you have friend, you're not alone. Cultural commentators and academics are beginning to point out that millennials and Gen Zers are, and I quote, uniquely resistant to growing up. The traditional markers of what it means to grow up, things like finishing education, finding work, leaving home, getting married, having kids, buying a house, These markers are getting pushed back and back and back. In fact, academics are starting to say that we need to start looking at 28 as the new 18. So significant is this trend, not just a lived experience, but a studied one. So significant is this trend that they are actually beginning to say that we need another developmental stage other than toddlers and primary schoolers and tweens and teenagers, they're saying that we need another developmental stage to describe these young people who are less independent and more dependent on their parents than any generation that has gone before. And they're starting to say that we need to start calling them emerging adults. Such is this trend that we're actually having to start to name it. 
Friend, if you're in this place and you have felt the unique resistance to growing up, you are not alone. Actually, you are conformed to the pattern of the world. And you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Friend, if you're an older person in this place and you have witnessed these young people who seem uniquely resistant to growing up, don't complain about it. Pray about it. Because this is a place where they are being conformed and you need to help them be transformed. Friends, if you are facing the battle of growing up, you are not alone. You are just conformed. And every place that you find yourself conformed to the pattern of this world, how many people know that you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? And so all of this begs the question, oh, it got real tense in here, didn't it? My goodness, this feels convicting even to me, okay? All of this begs the question, what does it even mean to be a grown-up? Because it's very tempting to define that by external indicators, by the indicators that I just said. But how many people know that these external indicators, while helpful, are not foolproof? Like age is a good indicator that you might be growing up, but I've met plenty young old people and old young people, right? Marriage is a good indicator that you might be growing up, but if it's the actual indicator, then the Apostle Paul and Jesus never made the mark. If homeowning, no, you know what? Let's not even talk about that because we live in Auckland, okay? Homeowning cannot be the external indicator, Lord help us, you know? All of this begs the question, what does it actually mean to grow up? Because if these external indicators are helpful but not foolproof, the real question we need to be asking is, what does the Bible say? And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Here's the key point. When I was a child, Paul says, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Note the intentionality in Paul's statement. He intentionally puts the ways of childhood behind me. Let me paraphrase what that means. You don't grow up by accident. If you are hoping that you will one day stumble upon the accidental process of growing up, friend, you never will. Growing up doesn't happen by accident. It happens by intention. You put the ways of childhood behind you. Notice that in that passage, Paul listed three things that indicated the difference between a way a child postures itself and the way an adult does. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I reasoned like a child, and I thought like the child. Now, I looked at all those three words in the Greek, and uh, what talk means is 
talk. It just means talk, okay? That's exactly what it means. There is a difference between the way a child talks and the way an adult talks. That word thought or think means to collect information. It's how you receive the information. It means to compute or complete. It means to bring in the information. Well, that word reason is talking about your perception of the un- of the information. It's talking about your worldview, the way you understand it, your opinion of self and others. When you put those three things together, this is what it's trying to say. It's saying children have a different way of receiving information understanding information and expressing information. When you put those three things together, what Paul is saying is that children posture themselves to the world differently than an adult would posture themselves to the world. And so what's the difference? Well, actually, this chapter tells us, let me read out what it means to posture yourself towards the world as an adult. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let me break this down. A child postures themselves to receive love, whereas an adult postures themselves to release love. The way a child postures itself to the world is what can you give me? That's why a kid will ask an adult, even an adult that they don't know, for a lolly. Because their posture is, what can you give me? Friend, hear my heart. That is not the posture of an adult. The posture of an adult is, what can I give you? Not, what can I receive? What can I release? A child's posture towards the world is one of dependence on others. An adult's posture is one of dependence on God. You need to understand today that the process of growing up is a process of lessening dependence on your caregiver, isn't it? Like when a child is born, they are dependent on their caregiver for everything, for feeding, to be put to sleep, for being clothed, for being fed. Their posture towards the world is, I must receive, otherwise I will not grow. Think about what that process of growing up is. It's your slowly lessening reliance on the person who God placed uh, over you to care for you. And so slowly you learn to feed yourself, toilet yourself, clothe yourself. You learn to tidy up after yourself. A teenager will learn to drive so that they're not dependent on their caregiver to drive them around everywhere. A young adult will learn to cook for themselves and clean the house. Growing up is the process of slowly lessening dependence and reliance on those above you or those whose care you have been placed into. That's why getting married is such a good indicator of growing up because in marriage, you leave and cleave. 
You leave the dependent relationship on your family of origin and you cleave to your spouse making a new relationship. It's why having kids is such a good indicator on growing up because you cease being a dependent because now you have dependence, right? You have people who are dependent on you to meet their needs. That's why those things are so good because they're about a lessening of reliance. But let me tell you where things get messy. Things get messy when instead of just releasing our dependence, our reliance on our caregiver, and placing them onto God, which is where they should go, we take our dependence from our parents and put it on other people. Friend, this is where things get messy. In fact, I would describe that attitude, that posture, as one of entitlement. Entitlement is when you expect the world to treat you the way your parents treated you. When you expect opportunities you didn't work for. Platforms that you didn't deserve. A grace that you've never extended. Friend, that word entitlement is linked with the younger generation of today. But friend, what it really is, is an indicator that people aren't growing up. Because that feeling of entitlement happens when you remove your dependent relationship from your caregiver, but you put it on other people. So from your parent to your spouse, from your grandma to your friends, right? From your grandpa to your flatmates, from your parent to your pastor. That's what happens when we place our dependence from person to person. Can I tell you, that's not growing up. Nor is it setting you up for a healthy heart. Because you're placing your dependence from God, from your caregiver, onto people who are fallible and will ultimately disappoint you. That's not how you were created to be. You were created to lessen your reliance on your parents and place it onto your heavenly Father who will never let you down. That, friends, is the process of growing up. See, one of the heartbreaking things about that story of Peter Pan and I don't know how many of you have seen that, that movie, Hook. That's a classic, eh? The greatest food fight scene in the world is in that movie. But one of the heartbreaking things about that movie, Hook, is that when Peter grows up, he forgets the awe and the wonder of being a child. Friend, can I just say to you that the process of growing up is not the process of losing the awe and wonder of being a child. That's not the point of growing up. The point of growing up is that you shift your dependence from people before God. Let me say it like this. You become an adult before people, but you must always remain a child before God. You must always remain a child before God. That's what it means to be dependent on Him. No matter how much I grow up before people, no matter how much of an adult I become, before my father, I ever remain a dependent and devoted child who is in constant need of him to be my love, my strength, my stay and my shield. Jesus put it like this, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. See, my posture before humanity might be, how can I love you? How can I serve you? How can I pour out to you? But it can only be that way because my posture before God is, God, how can I trust you? How can I receive on from you? 
How can I rely on you more? My posture before him must remain one of awe and wonder. It must remain one of joyful expectation of what I can receive from his hand. My posture must remain youthfully curious of what he could show me next. It must remain totally secure in his ability to protect me. It must remain completely excited about the adventure that he can take me on next. And even as I say all these words, I realize that maybe the sticking point of this message for the people in this room is not young people who need to grow up, but older people who need to grow down some. Because perhaps today you grew up too quick and you have lost the awe and the wonder of what it means to be a child of God. Friend, we grow up before people, but we must remain a child before God. So you can enjoy the good things from God's hand without looking over your shoulder for the bad thing that might happen next. You can hope for the future without a check in your spirit because what if my hopes are disappointed? You can look out to the world with the acknowledgement that there is good things that you have yet to see that you can still see even as a grown-up. Friends, some of us need to return to the fact that we can stay a child before God and we need to regain that awe and wonder. Can I say really honestly, some of us need to take things a little less seriously. You see, I remain a child before God so I can be an adult before people. It's an amazing story in the Bible, if um, the keys would like to join me. Amazing story in the Bible, a character uh, called Samuel. And Samuel was uh, a miracle baby, uh, conceived, actually a complete miracle. His mother, barren, crying out to God. And when God gave her this child, she dedicated him to the Lord. He became the greatest prophet outside of Jesus in the history of the Israelite people. And it said this incredible thing. He grew up in the house of the Lord. And in 1 Samuel 2.18, Briar, if I could have that on the screen, it says, but Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. And he wore a linen garment. Other translations will put that as a linen ephod. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. And the interesting thing about priests is uh, initially you had to be 30 years old to be a priest. Later, David dropped the age down to 20. But the idea is that to be a priest, you needed to be a grown-up, right? You needed to be an adult to be a priest. And yet here is this bizarre picture of this boy priest, Samuel, who is a boy before the Lord, but a priest before the people. And I wonder today if that's what we're meant to look like if we're meant to remain boys and girls before the Lord so that we can be priests before the people. I wonder today, friend, if you need to renew your love and excitement for life. And friend, that's not about your posture before life. That's about your posture before the Lord. It's about choosing to become a child like him before him again. Because perhaps today you grew up too fast. Perhaps today you feel like your childhood was taken from you. 
if that's you, there is hope in the house because your childhood can be restored through your childlikeness before your heavenly Father, who right now in this moment today is a perfect Father for you. I pray that we would ever remain children before the Lord so that we could be priests before the people. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to pray for those people and then I'll give people an opportunity to receive Jesus. But before I do that, I want to pray for some people who feel like their youth was taken. And I'm going to pray for a restoration of childlikeness before God. So right now in the name of Jesus, I'm praying for people who need a restoration of fun, (laughs) of enjoyment, of effervescence of child-likeness before the Lord. I pray, O oh God, that you would restore to people what the enemy has taken away, that you would restore to people a sense that they are perfectly fathered, that they are protected. God, that they would be released to enjoy things without having to look over their shoulder for the bad thing that might be coming next that you would release people from the burden of always trying to protect themselves because you are the Father who always protects and always perseveres. I pray that you would restore to people their childlikeness before you in Jesus' name. And if we just stay in this place with eyes closed and heads bowed, the Bible says that unless you enter the child, the, the kingdom of God like a child, you won't enter it. And the way that a child enters is with simple trust. See, you were created for life and hope and peace. You were created for a relationship with God. But that's not necessarily your experience. That's not your experience now. Why? Well, the Bible talks about sin. Sin separates us from God. But the Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, died for our sin so that we could have the life, the peace, the relationship with God that we were created to have. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. All who put their trust in Jesus will be saved. Well, I don't understand it. That's okay, because you're just called to trust. I don't think I deserve it. That's okay. Just trust. Trust the way a child trusts their parents. Friends, that is the way, because Jesus is the way.